We don't often get to do family services, so I've been looking forward to today. I've been looking forward to it partly because I'm, I'm a visual learner. Okay, so um, I find in, in, in lectures at college, I can sit there and I can, I can listen to all the theory for hours. And some of it soaks in. I'm not completely, well, <laughs> Joe might disagree with that. But some of it soaks in, but a lot of it, I have to be able to picture something. I have to be able to, to, to see how a theory works when it's put into practice in order to, to fully get it. And I think one of the problems that a lot of people have when they, when they talk about faith, when they talk about, about forgiveness, when we try and explain the reason that Jesus is, is, is not just necessary but is absolutely vital in this world today, is that they can't visualise what Jesus did and what his spirit, the Holy Spirit, does today in the world around us. So today, we're going to have a visual demonstration of why Easter Sunday is still important, in, 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 above important, absolutely vital for modern life, the modern world. Now, to begin with, we've heard that reading from David, from Luke's Gospel. And it's a great reading. It captures the, 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 the excitement of that morning, the wonder, the moment of, of shock when the angel who, who's been waiting for the ladies to come to the, to the tomb, when we hear those words, why are you looking for someone who's alive amongst the dead? And they have that moment of shock and then that sudden moment of realisation of what's just been said. Now in Matthew's Gospel, it talks about an earthquake taking place as the ladies approach the tomb. The earth shaking. And you might think, well, hang a second, <laughs> that's a pretty major detail. How does, how does Luke not mention an earthquake? How does he sort of gloss over that, that minor detail? That's a pretty big thing to forget. But you see, that's the beauty of the Gospel, isn't it? If they were all exactly the same and recorded exactly the same level of detail and left out exactly the same details, then we'd look at them and say, well, clearly they're just all identical. But they're not. They all record different aspects of what happened to Jesus and what happened in Jesus' time. And so, on Good Friday, some of the Gospels recall a time of darkness as Jesus hung on the cross. Some recall the temple curtain being torn in two. This was a big, thick barrier that separated the, 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 the sanctuary where, where priests could go from the Holy of Holies, the place where, where, where only the high priest was allowed to go once a year. It was such a sacred place. It was where the Spirit of God was said to dwell. And that curtain was torn from, from the top all the way down to the bottom. It wasn't, couldn't have been a human act because it wasn't torn from the bottom upwards. It was torn from the top because God initiated the action. Again, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, we have the account of the Roman soldier, who when he'd witnessed everything that had gone on, all of the, the wondrous events that took place on that day, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. This admission from a Roman soldier, an eyewitness who was completely in and suddenly, having witnessed Jesus, he acknowledged that Jesus was who he'd claimed to be and who he'd been crucified for claiming to be. 
And so on the morning, having spent the Sabbath, having observed the Sabbath on the Saturday, the day of rest, I don't suppose it was particularly restful for the disciples and the other followers of Jesus. Jesus had been put in the tomb on the Friday night, sealed up because you weren't allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. They couldn't go and tend to his body and, and prepare it as they would normally. And so we have this group of ladies who turn up on Easter Sunday morning. And they have spices and ointments. And they're going to go in and they're going to prepare the body to be laid finally to rest. Now then, they enter the place where the tomb was. And it's a place of the dead. You don't go to a tomb looking for someone who's alive. That's quite clear. Living people don't tend to live in tombs. They live in houses. So they didn't go expecting to find Jesus alive. So here we have a tomb. Bear with me. And you see, they get there and there's a stone that was sealed. The entrance to the tomb was sealed because they used to seal tombs so that, so that the, the, the smell of the death didn't, didn't come out, didn't catch on the wind and get blown around. If there was germs and disease and decay, it was, it was sealed. It was kept in there. The dead were left. Just as we now don't keep going back to a dead body. Instead, it's, it's taken away to a mortuary and then eventually either buried or incinerated. So too, they, they left their bodies alone once they'd been prepared. There were Roman soldiers guarding the tomb because the Romans were fearful that the body would be stolen so that false claims could be made. Look, there's no body. He, he must have risen. Well, where is he then? I don't know. You had him in the tomb. And of course, some people could say, well, yeah, that, that's what happened. That's what happened, the body was stolen. But the Bible tells us that in the weeks that followed the, um, the resurrection, over 500 people saw Jesus. Over 500 people. That's a lot of people to pay off. That's a lot of brown envelopes to go and ask people to, to corroborate something that didn't happen. So the ladies turn up to the tomb. And the stone is rolled away. The tomb is open. And when they go in there and have a look, the tomb is empty. It is dark, it is cold, it is maybe a bit damp, but it is empty, save for a pile of grey clothes. You see, it's a great story. The whole Easter narrative is, is a, it's a wonderful story because we love stories, don't we? We love stories that kind of start with, start with good news and then get worse and worse and worse and you think, oh my goodness, this is tragic, this is awful, this is painful. And then suddenly, just when you don't expect it, there is redemption, there is good news and it all ends well. You ask Tottenham fans this week, we love stories like that. You see, that's what the story of Easter is. And for a lot of people, that's all the story of Easter is. A story. But it's not. The story of Easter is a reality. What we're going to do today 
I'm going to. I need some some help. I need some volunteers. If you wouldn't mind coming up, um, Tim, you. I'm banking on you, George. Excellent. Thank you. Um, actually, I'm glad you've come up. I'll explain why in a minute. Right. What I would like you to do. We've got here sheets of paper. Okay. And what Jesus did when he came out of the tomb, he didn't turn around and push the stone back and close it. He left the tomb open. Now, of course, he wasn't in there. He, he was alive. The resurrection was, was complete. Jesus was living and breathing and eating and sleeping and walking and talking and teaching and doing everything that he had done before the cross. Jesus didn't need the tomb anymore. He could have just put the stone back, but we're not told that he put the stone back. We're told that he walked out and left the tomb open and empty. So what we're going to do today is we're going to, we're going to demonstrate something. What we're going to demonstrate is why that tomb needs our attention. Why it is that we mustn't just gloss over the tomb on Easter Sunday. Because, of course, Jesus doesn't stay in the tomb. It's right that we we cast our minds to Jesus. We fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Of course, that is right. But we need that open tomb. Jesus left that open tomb. Because at home, when you finish a bag of crisps, tin of coke, whatever it might be, what do you do with it? Chuck it in the bin. That's right, exactly. Exactly. You chuck it in the bin. Or you wait for someone else to come and take it and chuck it in the bin. <laughs> might be closer to the truth, I, I don't know. That's right. And once it's been put in the bin, the bin men come and pick it up and take it away. And we never see it again, do we? We never see it again. We're never confronted with our own waste and our own rubbish. And it either gets taken to a recycling plant and turned into something better, or it gets taken to a landfill and dumped, or it gets sent to another country for them to dump it for us. And there are these places, these landfills, that are just disgusting. They're just full of all of our waste, all of the the rubbish that we produce, all of us, and that everybody has done. There's, what, 65 million people in this country. That is a lot of rubbish. But you see, we produce a lot more sin than we do rubbish. Because every single day, in some way, people sin. We can't get away from that. We can't. And Jesus doesn't say, you sinner, get in that tomb. What Jesus does is he says... You've got two choices. You can either I'll just, you can either take your sin, take your rubbish, and you can chuck it around, and you can leave it. You can't, you can't clean up your own rubbish. You haven't got your own landfill, have you? There's a limit. You can stick it in your back garden for a bit. You might bury it under the patio for a bit, but it's going to get to the point in the not-too-distant future where you simply cannot cope with the amount of waste the rubbish that you've produced. And then what are you going to do? You could move house, yeah? Who's going to want to buy a rubbish dump? You've got to deal with your own rubbish. And Jesus says, That's, if you want to deal with your own rubbish, then fine. 
chuck it on the floor, just leave it lying around, live amongst it. Or, or, there is another option. There is another option which he gives us on Easter Sunday. So what we're going to do today, I've, I've given you sheets of paper, okay, just, just little sheets of paper. And over here, we have, we have a pencil case full of pens. And what I'd like you to do, these people are going to join in. They're going to put their hand up and what they're going to do, if they want to, there's no obligation, but if you'd like to, get a sheet of paper and a, and a pen and just write on there, a sin. I'm not asking for detail, it's not confession time or anything like that. Keep it, keep it generic, don't put your name on it. Just write it down. And then screw it up and chuck it on the floor, preferably towards the front or in the aisle. If you, if you haven't got a throwing arm on you, that's where George comes in, he's got a wicked throwing arm. Okay? So I'm sure he'll, he'll be happily bowled it to the front. But just write a sin, any sin, and then chuck it to the front. Would you like to start giving out sheets of paper to those who would like to? And if anybody needs pens, they could be provided as well. I'm going to do one while I'm waiting. Brilliant. So we get, we're getting a bit of a pile here now. That's it. Excellent. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Look at that, there's some, impressive, there's some impressive throwing arms out there. This is good, this is good. And you see, the, 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 the front here is beginning to look pretty untidy. It's pretty untidy as these things build up. We've been going for about two minutes, if that. And already, already, there is sin and there is mess everywhere. The place is no longer clean, it's no longer tidy, it's no longer somewhere that we want to, we want to be. Because sin is building up. So there we go. There, is there any more? Is there any more sins out there? Yeah, one or two. You see now at the front here. <laughs> that was a sin. You see now at, at, at the front here. I'm having to. I'm having to step around it. It's everywhere. Sin is everywhere. And this is this is from a group of Christians. Imagine what it's like out there. But of course, being a Christian just means that you're aware of your own sin. It doesn't make you any less of a sinner. Not particularly pleasant, is it? Can you imagine if I hadn't brought nice scraps of paper today? Can you imagine if I brought banana skins, empty baked bean tins, um, some of the used tissue, some of the, some of the most, most disgusting household waste that we all produce but we'd rather not talk about? Can you imagine if that was what was here at the front? Because that's what our sin is like. Our sin is a pollutant, it's an impurity, it's something that, that stops us from being pure enough to stand before our God. Like I said earlier, the, the joy, the beauty, the wonder of Easter Sunday is that it gives us licence to call out to God and call him Father, to have that intimacy, that closeness. It also opens up the, the, the opportunity for us to join him in heaven. But if we've got sin, then we've got an impurity in us. It's like if you have a glass of water and you get a tiny little blob of food colouring, a tiny, tiny bit, and you drop it in there, then suddenly the entire glass of water changes colour. It changes. And no matter how many times you, you dilute it and dilute it and dilute it, it's always got that tint to it. That's what one sin does. It taints us. And so we are no longer pure enough to go into heaven. 
because you can't have a pollutant in heaven because then it's no longer perfect because then heaven's tainted and that can't happen because God preserves heaven because he wants us to join him one day in that perfect place. But before Easter Sunday, that was a bit of an issue. It was a bit of a problem. And that's why Easter is so important. That is why we go back to the empty tomb. Because Jesus looks around. He sees the sin of the world and he realises he is the only one. He is the only one capable of tidying the world. He doesn't create a massive landfill somewhere. He doesn't say, look, I'll tell you what I'll do, guys. I'll take your sin and I'll, I'll bury it in Pitsy. That'll be okay. Don't worry about that. Because Jesus came to save and preserve the entire world. And so here's what he does. He walks out of the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. And he says, from now on, every time that you sin, every time that you do something, and you chuck it on the floor, don't chuck it on the floor. Ask me. Call me. And ask me to forgive you your sin. And I will come alongside you. And I will pick up your sin. And I will take it. And I will make it so that you do not have to live with the guilt and the shame surrounded by all the the muck and the spiritual rubbish that you collect over time, you can be freed of that. You can be released from it. You can live knowing that even though you are a sinner, even though you do things wrong and you you make mistakes and you upset people and you react badly and you might get angry sometimes and and you, you forget things and... You let people down and you fail, even though, even though you gossip sometimes and you might tell the odd lie and sometimes you're dishonest and oh, all that. You can always, always, always call on the name of Jesus. Because you see, Jesus doesn't say, there you go, there's all your sin, what are you going to do with it now? Jesus says, stand aside. He says, look, the tomb is empty. So let's bury that sin so that you and I can have a relationship and know each other without all the muck that was there before. That is why Easter Sunday is so important. That is why we need the cross, but we need that empty tomb as well. The empty tomb is where Jesus buries our sin. The empty tomb is where where he chucks it. And once it's in the sin, once, once it's in the tomb, the sin is gone. Jesus doesn't keep dragging it out and saying, Oi, don't, don't get too ahead, you, look, don't forget what you did. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. He takes our sin away from us. He's the only one who can do that. He buries it in the tomb. So that when we look around us, on the day of judgment, when we come and stand before the Father for reckoning, we are looked at. And through Jesus, through what Jesus has done for us on Easter Sunday, because he left that empty tomb, he and us can join the Father in heaven. Now, of course, all those sins that we've just collected, they were personal sins. But today you would have noticed, I brought something that represents the sin of the world. 
a daily newspaper. Represents broken dreams as well. They promised Legoland tickets and had run out by 9 o'clock this morning, so that was a disappointment. But do you know what? We put our hope in things that can let us down. We put our hope in so many things in the world. The world is so full of, of false promises. There is so much fake news. There is so much lying and slander and corruption and greed. There is so much bad news in the world. But Jesus' saving work on the cross and the resurrection is so powerful that he takes away the rubbish of the entire world. Chucks it in the tomb and says, if you choose to follow me, then through me, you will join with your father in heaven. Guys, today was sort of a, a reversal. Um, you, you, you got the reward before you'd actually done the task. But there are some eggs left. And uh, I haven't actually asked Joan permission yet, but I'm sure you can probably take one more um, on, your, on, your, uh, on your way back to your seat. So look, thank you for coming up and helping out today. I hope that's helped you, and I hope, hope it's helped you as well, just to, to visualise, to picture why Easter Sunday is so important, why that empty tomb shouldn't just be, be glossed over and forgotten about because oh, it's a tomb and Jesus isn't there, so we don't need to be there. Actually, we need, we need that tomb. We need that tomb. Because we all, every day, have something to chuck in there. But the important thing is that because of Jesus, because of Easter, when we chuck it in there, when Jesus takes it away from us and says it's in the tomb now, he forgets about it. And so can we. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to thank God for his amazing, amazing work and for his love for us. And then you can grab an egg as you go back to your seats. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you that, that you, you have done such an amazing thing for us that nobody else could do, that we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, thank you that as we look around this world and we see the wonders of the creation that you have, have given us, we can be thankful that we can not pollute it with our spiritual muck with the mistakes and the stupid things that we do so often. But Lord, because of you, because you do not fill that tomb, you fill our hearts, that means that our sin does not fill our hearts, it fills that tomb. Thank you for these young people here today. Father, thank you that they, they are all fantastic young people who are loved by so many people, but most of all, they are loved by you because they are so special in your eyes. So Lord, I pray for your blessing upon them. I pray for your blessing upon everybody here today that this Easter time will be a time where they feel released from any guilt for anything that's happened in life and that they can look to you, fix their eyes on you, the author and perfecter of their faith and that together we can join and we can recognise the name of Jesus and we can say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.